All right. Well, uh, you know, we've got a little bit of a follow-up to go over in regards to the uh, the uh, the American sports in Australia from, from last episode. Oh, yeah? But before we get to that vital topic, I have, I, have, I have yet another question that we can file under immature me, which is how, you know, a hallmark of this podcast is me incessantly interrupting Matt Ray. So, you know, let's just <laughs> let's just take that as like standard operating procedure, SOP, not VSOP, just SOP. Now, I feel like in the culture that I spend most of my time in, interrupting is how things get done. Now, now in the real world, IRL, uh, which is to say when I'm talking with my wife, interrupting from me is a sure way to end a conversation and achieve uh, high levels of scorn. Sort of peaking, if you will. So now, now I I am not bringing all of this up to say that that is wrong. I know that I I'm doing it wrong, but I I've been working on this for maybe like a couple of years now, right? And I just cannot figure out how to achieve helpful civil discourse and not interrupt. Like I I, I, I there's there's two sides, and th- and then I I love your guys' advice, and I say guys in the guys' term. I love your guys' advice on this one. I can get involved in the conversation and just do it, which is what I normally do. It's got a lot of interrupting. Or, like, I feel like I'm not involved in the conversation. And so I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, we were eating some tacos earlier today at a little taco stand. Kim was telling me all about her true crime podcast, her un, undisclosed and um, whatever the famous one is, serial. And I, like, I, you know, I interrupted to ask something, and it was just, it was just not cool. It's not cool. I might as well have just like you know shit in a taco and given it to her to eat. Is this more like a, this is a relationship? I think this is more a relationship issue than it is. Like, do you find this happens to you in other places? Does Matt Ray ever uh, get upset that you interrupt him? I, was, I don't think so. Well, I, I, no. I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, now that we don't have video, now that we don't have video, you can't see that that thing where people open their mouths like they want to say something, mm. and you're supposed to catch that visual cue, like. Oh, I need to wrap this one up, you know. Oh, um, right. May, may, you know, now that we're using Skype, maybe you catch the the gentle intake of breath, like oh, I need to say something. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, I I used to be um, very quiet and uh, like when it came to conversations, and I had a a, a friend who uh, uh, just mowed over everyone in conversations where, you know, it was like monologues mm. and, uh, kind of, kind of taught you that, you know, sometimes if, uh, you need to start interrupting more, but then also the, the key to being a good conversationalist is, is also knowing when to shut up. And some people, some people want to, uh, want to hear you talk. Um, you know, there, there's different levels for, you know, how much talking people want to do in any given conversation. And actually, the key is to pay attention to them, which <laughs> is some next level sh- social skills for some people. Mm. Um, now, no, but, what were uh, you saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, the key to, to your spouse, though, is shut up and listen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's it. I mean, that's. I mean, let's just make it simple, Cote. With your wife, just shut up and listen. With everyone else, just interrupt. Okay. I think that's it. Make it. That's that simple. All right. I feel I feel like we might have uh just turned back the clock on on men not being dicks in the tech industry like 5 years, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I think that clock is on fast forward. <laughs> oh, like internet time. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. 
remember, remember <laughs> as I'm, you know, we should, we need to go through the transcripts. But you remember back in, a, in the late '90s, over on maybe East Seventh Street here in Austin, there was literally some whack-a-mole startup that had a clock outside of their building. It was kind of like a Mary Poppins Victorian clock, and and they had set it to run really fast, and it probably set mm-hmm. internet time underneath it. Yes, who was that? What a, what a time to have been alive. <laughs> the future ran out for them. They're not around anymore. <laughs> Strike clock ran too fast. Cold heat. Wait, what's it called when we the universe to, ends? Uh, heat death. Heat death. Yeah. Uh, hmm. So so let's get to that follow. Well, this is good advice. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to figure that out. Anyways, so how did the football game go? Did you did you go to it, Matt Ray? Did you bring one of those uh, one of those stadium seats where like you lean back and it makes a, a back <laughs> for you? No, uh, I neglected to go to any sporting event. Um, yeah, I, I still have yet to attend a, a rugby, a footy, uh, an AFL, a league play, a union play. I don't know what these things are. People keep saying things, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, Com- um, competitive boomerang throwing. <laughs> that I would go to. So yeah, I'm I'm probably going to sign my kids up for for uh, they have this thing called uh nippers where they it it's like competitive lifeguarding where they have a bunch of different events and you know the, they they have these leagues and they start in like kindergarten and the kids learn swimming, surf skills, like, you know, how to watch out for riptides and how to save a drowning person and which kind of jellyfish will kill you. And, and then they also have competitions based on this where they, they, they have like, you know, 100-yard sprints on the beach with, you know, a, a life preserver. And it's a league thing. And it's crazy. It's hmm. about to start up. I'm going to sign my kids up so they can get that, you know, authentic Australian experience. Nippers. Um, Nippers, exactly. It's, it sounds like it's kind of like the like the Coast Guard version of a Navy SEAL. Huh? Only they start in kindergarten. <laughs> Man, so they're really hard at the end. They've got those wraparound sunglasses and beards and dead goats on their horse. That's fantastic. Uh-huh. Have you asked your kids, like, this is sport in no way seems fun to me. Like, why? Like, this seems like a boring, like, uh, uh, water rescue course that's just well, prolonged. But but, but it, it, it is and it isn't. Like, um, somehow they try to make it fun. Um, you know, hopefully it turns out that way, but it's kind of like swim team. If, if your kids are doing swim team, you're like, all right, you know, there's, there's only four types of swimming, but somehow they turn it into like four hours of, of a swim meet. And this just throws in some running and some sand and some surf into the mix. I don't know. We'll see. It sounds awesome. I'm all for it. <laughs> More importantly, Matt Ray, I think you you must have some kind of insight on this topic. I know, I don't know, maybe not a huge football fan, but like you you tend to keep up, at least with UT football. How are you going? Are you going to watch American football in Australia? And what kind of VPN, illegal downloading uh, video app have you discovered? Well,. So, so uh, geo geofenced IP blocking is a thing here in Australia. That uh, you know, where where you you try to watch some content and it says like you know this content is restricted to your you know geographical area or whatever. Um, Australians pretty much hate it. 
to the point where it's decriminalized, where there are literally commercials on TV about geo IP VPN services. Mm. Um, and there's a constant battle between Netflix and Amazon and Hulu about blocking those services. Um, so I, I, I have been using one. I'm not going to say which because, you know, whatever. And I don't know if that's against the law or not, but <laughs> I have been using one. And uh, kudos to you, Netflix. You're winning right now. <laughs> I know. I I, uh, I I use that Cloak VPN uh, just, you know, uh-huh. just as as a matter of course, except on my home network. Sidebar, should I use that on my home network? Probably not. Okay, so. Well, and, what is the actual issue? And, and, Netflix and I, I, not in Australia? No, 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 no. Netflix is in Australia. Uh, they have they have different licensed content here. Oh, okay. Uh, so you know, so what, what, what's crazy is like um, all the Netflix shows are there. So, you know, I got to watch Stranger Things and, and, and you know, House of Cards and that kind of stuff. And then some stuff is available in the U.S. and some stuff is available in Australia. Like my, my daughter's watching Full House, right? You know, it's only available in Australia, not available in the U.S., Hmm. The original Full House or that remake? Yes, the original Full House, you know, uh, which is nuts, but that's a different podcast. Um, and yeah, so uh, I'm constantly jiggering with, with you know, DNS settings to get the right combination of, you know, oh, now we can watch Hulu, now we can watch Australian content, now we can watch American content, you know, now everything's blocked and I just go to BitTorrent and download all my shows. Um, so it's a constant struggle. Uh the struggle and then for sports, yeah, the struggle is, is very real. And um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping I'm, I'm going to be re- relying on the kindness of others when it comes to uh, college football because I don't even have an antenna and I don't know how to watch anything local. And you know, UT is not going to be carried on any Australian over-the-air stuff. Um, so uh, I, I have somebody who's recording it for me. Nice, nice. All right, good. This seems like yeah. this is gonna be like an ongoing segment. Matt raised oh, it will being, be. uh Australian uh, geo fences um, <laughs> one by one. Ah, yes, one by one. The consternation from down under. <laughs> the struggle is real. Uh, yeah, like cell phones, geo fences. That's all it's all about, man. I, I, you know, like I, I, I use that cloak thing, and every, and every now and then, uh, you know, I'll just be out and about, and I'm watching Netflix, and and Netflix like can determine that you're using it, and I'm like, hey, that's not mm-hmm. fair. That's supposed to be. Uh, I got to call up the ITF, IETF, and tell them that someone's fucking with my shit. Get the, the police of the internet to come and like write an RFC. Yeah, and they'll get right on that, and you'll be using IPv6 in a week. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, speaking of RFCs, I uh, earlier this week, or was this last week? When did all this uh, Docker forking hoopla happen, Matt Ray? You, you keep a close uh, tab on this stuff. Now, of course, we'll have to, the day you tell us, we'll have to advance, no, wait, subtract a day from to be the actual day it happened in the real world, not the upside down. And whoa, whoa, out. whoa. I'm, a, I'm living in the future here. Yeah, but that's um, what I'm saying is like, you're in the future. So the day, wait, I, I need a chart. It's been about a week. Okay. We'll, we'll just call it that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's been a, a, a constant tension in the uh, the Docker world of, you know, um, there are the people who integrate Docker into their solutions, and there's Docker the company, 
and the tension is you know, the the integrators want Docker to be a uh, a building block to their higher level services, and Docker the company doesn't want to be commoditized that way, you know. And uh, you know the the highlights of the uh, the ongoing conversation and, and struggle are uh, you know uh, Docker rolled into Red Hat Summit with. Um, with T-shirts that uh, had the the Docker whale and uh, next to a Docker whale made out of cardboard and and you know tape, and uh, it said you know accept accept no uh, sub imitations something along those lines, um, and you know clearly the the uh, <clears throat> the implication was that Red Hat's version of Docker wasn't the real thing, um, and part of that is because Red Hat has a large set of patches that you know, they've attempted to upstream. Um, you know, this is their take on it. They've attempted to upstream them, but Docker has rejected them. Uh, and so Red Hat carries a very patched version of Docker. Um, you've got the you know, CoreOS folks. They've got their, their rocket you know, because they, they wanted to, uh, to have just a, a simplified building block. And, uh, you know, it's been a long simmering thing that kind of uh, flares up now and then. And so right now, right now we're in a flare up stage. And so what, what is, you know, that's that's so in reading. I think I think uh, I think the new stack has a pretty good write up of, of the, as you say, the current flare up. There's some other things. Uh, but uh, so so what is this? What is this applying the patches sort of thing? I always get confused when people talk about streams that doesn't involve Heraclitus. And so, like, what, like, what's the patching that they're layering on? What does that, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so, so most people do get confused when you're not talking about Heraclitus. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, so Red Hat has uh, various patches to make Docker essentially more Red Hat friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes it more enterprisey, uh, plays better with their tools like SystemD and you know RPM and. You know, some of the stuff is around making Docker fit better in their ecosystem of, of OpenShift, um, and and Atom, and you know their various uh, container-related tools. And so, you know, Red Hat's trying to get these patches upstreamed, and Docker has Docker Incorporated has a different agenda. You know, they they are you know they're working at being maintainers of a healthy open source ecosystem. But at the same time, you know, they've got a billion dollar mortgage that they have to pay off. Mm. And, uh, you know, so they have to find ways to make money. And rather than, you know, rather than make a nice clean delineation and make the Docker machine uh, a, you know, just a, a building block that everyone can use, they've been rolling their, their extensions into it. So yeah. uh, Docker Swarm is their orchestrator. You know, it competes with uh, Kubernetes, competes with Mesosphere. Uh, or Mesos, and you know, competes with Nomad, and um, you know, and I'm sure uh, Pivotal's you know container stuff. You know, you guys would like to use Docker, um, and, and you know, I'm sure you do use Docker. But uh, you know, it's everyone wants it to behave simply and just you know stop what it's doing, and they're continuing to add more features to it that uh, and, and change APIs on the fly. And it's you know, um, you can see either sides. You know, argument, um, and you know they tried to form a, a standards body around it with a standardized runtime uh, called Run C, and you know the CoreOS guys have their implementation of that. The Mesosphere folks have their implementation of it, um, but 
you know, if if everyone is running around with a you know ninety percent compatible solution, you are not compatible, mm, right? And, and so, you know, that's that's kind of what the where they are, and and uh, yeah. Now, 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 I, I want to dig into this this uh, this patching thing a little bit more. I mean, I mean, hopefully that uh, that metaphoric mortgage isn't a metaphoric arm loan that that never pays out well for the uh, the the, the, the low <laughs> well, me. But so so. So I don't know, I don't remember, like Docker is in like Go and I imagine some C stuff and some other dynamic language thing here and there. But like, so when you patch it, like, what does that mean? Is it, is it like, is it like you're dynamically changing the functionality or are you like getting the source code, patching it and recompiling it? The latter. Yeah, they're, they're actually, okay. they have. So it's so, like so, a straight so up old is, school patch. Yeah, yeah. This is a straight up old school patch. Go is is uh, you know statically compiled, so it, it's not it's not a dynamic language. Um, it's like compiling to C you know, or compiling C or C plus plus to a binary. Um, and so you know, Red Hat is recompiling Docker with their patches, um, and you know their patches are all maintained publicly, and they've got documentation around them. Oh. Um, you know, if you follow some of the the show notes, uh, there's some links into the into that somewhere i see um, i see and then Doc, see docker's, docker's apache license so this is all like uh kosher as oh, as yeah. they like to say yeah. good old crispy pickles yeah i mean for the same same way that you know red hat and canonical and susa you know they've been shipping forked versions of kernels they've been shipping forked versions of mysql you know every Open stack all the operating system yeah they are they all carry patches um and so, you know, Red Hat is just saying, you know, hey, here are the patches, and, you know, these are constantly, you know, these are, these have all been rejected. We're going to have to maintain them, you know, forever uh, until, you know, either we work with what Docker's chosen to do or, uh, um, you know, or something else comes along. And so you, there, the new stack had an article uh, about, you know, possibly being a fork. I don't know how realistic that is, but... Um, I think what we're more likely to see is is kind of like we do with the Linux kernel, where you know there's a an API that everyone can use, and you know the the distros, the, the various Docker distros at this point are going to have slightly patched versions, but they're never going to. I don't think it'll be an overt fork. Yeah, yeah, no, what you know, I I I uh, I, uh, I I wrote up my little uh, summary and and like you know analyst person take on this this morning and that's you know that's 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 one one angle thing i didn't really think about because i i didn't i didn't uh, stop and think about the licensing of docker or understand this thing we're talking about fully but but it, i mean your analogy is pretty spot on it's sort of like in the, in the linux world you've got all these different distros which you could look at as effectively forks i guess i mean technically mm-hmm. i guess they are but because of the nature of like uh the gpl license they all have to be opened right which which sort yeah. of like we understand that now I'm sure Red Hat open sources their stuff because they're Red Hat, like bully for them and everything. But effectively, <laughs> if if you wanted to uh, fork and customize Docker, you don't need to open source it, right? So you don't have no, the you don't no. have the viral effects of the GPL, which which is if the analogous situation you're pointing out comes into, I'm sure there's yeah, I mean there's there's plenty of Apache things. I'm sure Hadoop is like this and variants of Tomcat and other stuff. I should probably be careful about given the company I work at, but like. I'm sure there's things that that are like that that exist, but uh, maybe not a huge, massive scale at the moment. So that would be an, uh, a, a, a insightful study in 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 we could almost call it first level one forking, right? Whereas level yeah. two forking is like 
there's a whole rival community and ecosystem around it, right? It's which is a little bit of what we started to see with the uh, you know CoreOS and Docker getting all in a tiff with each other. This is like almost two mm-hmm. years ago now, right? Or was that only a year ago? Oh. We're on that internet time shit, but like it's uh, Australia time, yeah. <laughs> the, the the toilets go in the other direction, uh, but. I don't know why I think that about Australia. That's like the first thing that pops into my head, aside from Bloom and Onion, when it comes to Australia. <laughs> anyways, but that that would be a whole other interesting study of uh, open source uh, dynamics there. So, all right. So, that all makes sense. So, the big freak out would be not that you have like a, a, a type 1 forking, but that you would have a type 2 forking, which... Which I guess, like, where have we seen that elsewhere in 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 I the, mean, uh, the open source world? My my sequel is probably mm, close and, anecdote. and Jenkins know? Hudson and Jenkins that happened too, right? I mean yeah, that that yeah. was like that was just like a bloodbath for for Oracle, as far as I can tell. Like Jenkins just like won, but like. Yeah, yeah, those are those are good examples. So, but, but doesn't this go on? Like, doesn't this go on until? Uh, Docker phys- figures out its business model. Like I always think it's interesting when the business drives what is essentially the technical decisions, right? Like I don't think anybody at Docker working on this all the time. Like the true architects guys are like, yeah, we want to, you know, yeah, we want this to be different. We want different things. Like I think that you know that most of those guys are like, hey, let's make it open, let's get it standardized, well, and let's but, get but everyone really working that, on that, it. Yeah, that's what's different. Well, I just think, I mean, usually the pure developer is like, guys, let's just stop, you know, let's get to the real work. Let's just make this one interface and get it done. And then the business, right, is like, well, wait a minute. If we do that, we're seeding up way too much ground and we don't have a good business model. Mm -hmm. So I need you to, like, uh, you know, have some patches or make it hard, right, and introduce some friction because we don't have a good business model. We're going to give Brandon (laughs) some PTSD here. (laughs) you probably are but i think that's what's going on it's like and until docker can be like this is how we're going to make money we're make a lot that these kind of weird technical things go on you know fights kind of persist yeah so so the problem you know um you know linux has you know linus torvalds and he doesn't work for a vendor right so he's he's off working for the linux foundation he's you know he's a essentially a neutral party um but at the top of Docker is is, is Solomon Hikes, and he is, you know, he's the CTO for Docker. Uh, he was the CEO at Doc Cloud, so you know he has a very vested interest in the business side of things and the technical side of things. So you know, and and he's been involved in these threads of you know conversations where you know he lashes out at uh, you know various forks or you know, um, you know it, it's. It's not as uh, egalitarian and you know merit, merit, meritocratic or whatever that, that you would expect. Ooh, yeah. Um, so it it it's the the tension is at the highest levels. Right, but I think you know it's just it's always interesting to look at the history, like why it got out there. Like I don't even know, but like you know on the Linux side, it just worked out that the guy that was became in charge wasn't really you know tied to any one vendor, which then sort of like gave it a path, right, to kind of like mm-hmm. you know, come up with this. And that, and I think here, right, your point is well taken. It's like, yeah, like it's like the guy, the founder of this is invested in it, right, in a way that is, you know, super, you know, going to be super meaningful to him. So that's the thing that's going to, you know, kind of like, if you will, either hold this technology back or eventually they'll work it out. But 
But I think that the part that I think is interesting is like the business model is what's driving all of this. The, the lack of one or the lack of clarity around that is what then kind of causes this whole container problem. Because I think in the end of the day, right, everybody would be better off if we just had like, hey, this is a container standard. Everyone agrees to it. And, you know, you can fight at the upper level, you know, some other area. But like this container thing works. And it's like, well... It, it's not going to be that until somebody, you know, why give up the container, if you will, the, the container um, lead unless you have to, right? And so, yeah. and I think that's going to be the tension, you know, f- in the foreseeable future. Because I think, you know, I like your mortgage uh, analogy. Like, Docker has a massive mortgage. I don't know how they're going to pay that off. And so, this could go on for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and Docker has been involved in the, the standardization efforts around OCI. And then you have, uh, you know, Solomon Hikes call it a fake standard. So, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't think, but again, I, I don't think it's going to boil over. Well, it's going to boil over, but it's it's not going to resolve. I think it's going to be like MySQL where, you know, even now you've got, you know, MariaDB folks taking things closed source, you know, five years down the path. Yeah. Um, you know, what, that was in last a, week's what, show notes. What, 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 a, what a clusterfuck that all turned into. No, it's just like I, I don't. I don't really know in retrospect, like what what one would have done, but it's just like, oh, like that's that's one of the the uh, uh, tragic uh, collateral damages of of WTF Sun. It's just like it's <laughs> sort of like you know, hey, half a billion dollars, love those guys. Oh fuck, right? Like that kind of summarizes, I think, <laughs> the acquisition and then post acquisition years of the MySQL community. Like it just didn't really pan out very well. Although, although you know, but, but if you like, I, I never really got what their dual licensing thing was up to. It was sort of like a uh, you know Antoinette sort of situation with regards to cake. It seemed like, but I don't know. Maybe I'm being shallow about it. But this oh, is what I, I think that people miss. Like I, this is a working theory of mine that I want you guys to tell me I'm wrong. It's like open source adoption leads to massive deflationary market results, right? And this is where I think people make a mistake. It's like massive adoption of a technology by developers is like a head fake. It's like, yes, there is incredible demand that can probably support a company, but it will not support the companies that came before it. Like, I think people tend to, and I don't know, I've not seen a Docker investor pitch. I don't know what they kind of like compare themselves to, but I would imagine it would be like VMware. Like, we're going to be the next VMware. And it's like, no, an open source adoption actually means that you're going to be worth only the the total market that's going to come out of this is going to be a fraction of what VMware was because you don't need to license as much to get all this productivity. And I think that's the mistake it goes over. And I was looking at, you know, Matt Ray, I'd love to get your take on, you know, just a proof point. I was looking at what Blade Logic and Opsware got bought. Well, Opsware got bought for 1.6 billion and Blade Logic 800 million like back in the the aughts, right? And I, and I think to myself like Think how many more people are using, which is really the DevOps movement, right? The automation tools today, but like, there's no way, there's just not the same revenue in these worlds that there right. once was. Even though there's a lot more adoption of the technology, so I think that's why Docker is like massive dilemma for them at this point. So, so what yeah, you're saying yeah. is, ain't gonna be starting no A16Z funds off of open source anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I mean, I do. Go ahead, Matt. Right. Well, I. I... I think that was in a lot of the early MySQL pitches, you know, from, from Martin Mikos, where, where he said, you know, the database industry is $10 billion, you know, 
pick a number. And he's like, all we need is a hundred million to be wildly successful. Yeah. And you know, they were wildly successful and they took the air out of that balloon. And you know, that's, that is a health, you know, that is bad for the, the incumbents, but it's, if you can be the vendor that disrupts everything, if, if you can look at somebody else's, you know, $5 billion a year revenue and say, you know, if I take, you know, a hundred million out of that and destroy your market, I still can, can, you know, win with that. I think, you know, Docker's problem is, you know, they're playing an internet time and everybody knows that's the score. And, uh, you know, they're, they're fighting with companies that, um, have different revenue requirements. You know, they're they're not competing on the same. You know, they're they're not running on the same racetrack. You know, anytime you're competing with Google, it's like those guys. They have a money fountain based on advertising. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I I feel like you know some of their to be uh, you know metaphoric about it. You know, some of these uh, some of these competitors on the beach. You know, they might have like big old pot bellies, but they're also really strong and have lots of money. And so it's like they might be these older gentlemen that you're kicking face in and, and ladies and stuff, but they kind of know how to punch back in, in, a, in a weird way or, or a very effective way, you know, after they've had a few <laughs> beers. But, you know, it, it's, it's as, as is evident from the summary. Like, I, I, you know, that piece I wrote up, like it's, it's built on a lot of this kind of conversation we have about defining the layer of monetization and all this kind of stuff. And, and Brandon and I were uh, joking about it in Twitter just, just uh, a couple days ago. But, I mean, that's, that's I think, I think you guys just nailed it. They're sort of like, I think, I think this is yet more uh, underlining under the idea that there is a pretty tried and true business model in, in, uh, I don't even know, it is a business model in, in the infrastructure software world, which is uh, everything's always layered. There's a stack and you need to choose wisely which layer in the stack you close off and monetize. And mm-hmm. with, with a community like, like Docker or any other community, at some point, pretty early on, the competitive game becomes, uh, which layer are we going to make free? And, and that's what people tend to battle over quite a bit and what they want, what, what the, the control that they're fighting for. And, you know, in my, in my shallow understanding of all of this, that's sort of the ongoing, uh, thing happening in the Docker world. And it's, it's a frequent topic that we have here because it's kind of fascinating. But I think, I think you, you so see it a lot a more proposed- in this community than other ones. As I say, like here's like a counterfactual, or even maybe like a future strategy. What if what if Docker came out and said this? Like, listen, we're going to you know for um, non-production use, Docker is free forever. The Docker you know container, right? It's for free forever. Everyone can use it. But like when you go into production, it's ten thousand dollars for whatever, like some enormous amount of uh, production licenses, right? And we just said to them, like, listen, and we the reason we want to do that is we want to keep it, you know, relatively low cost for people that are uh, for enterprises, um, but we want to also be able to like make some money off it and be a, a steward of this technology. And if we, you know, if everyone that throws it in production gives us, you know, the ten grand, then you know, we can run a nice business, be profitable, yeah. and and really we can advance the industry faster because we can stop arguing about this container thing. I, like, I, I, would it would it just not work at all, no. or? With the world even, it's uh, like the uh, it's the late. it's like the HOA model of open source communities. It's like those that 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 pool you like don't pay for itself, buddy. When we ship over right, those yeah. Eastern European lifeguards that had their nipper training, like you know, we got to pay for that. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've already we've already seen that. That's the you know pretty much anything based on Apache technology. <laughs> um, 
you know, they, they have, they have a strong technical stewardship, but a weak business model. And, and so what you can get is healthy, you know, small to mid-size kind of consultancy based companies. You know, I mean, I'm not knocking Cloudera, but you know, your, your Hortonworks, your, um, you know, to some extent chef, you know, where, um, you have a big, healthy open source community and monetizing that is kind of scrappy and, um, you're not going to get your VC return like Docker has, you know, you, you can't pay off your arm mortgage that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it comes back to the thing for Docker, right? It's like, you really only two ways to go. It's like, you can somehow convince someone to buy you for billions and billions, like kind of the height of overinflated expectations or everyone, like people at Google and others will sit on the sidelines and say, if the cost to fork exceeds or um, the cost to buy Docker, then that's when the fork happens, right? When someone's finally like, listen, it's just too much of a pain in the ass to put up with Docker, we're going to fork it, versus like, we're just going to buy Docker and we're going to just make it a commodity because it's good for us, whether that be Google or any one of the, a number, or Amazon or a number of other big companies, right? Like, it just doesn't seem like there's no way does this market allow a VMware type company uh, come out of it. They'll just like right. the, the incumbents will never allow that. So like Docker will never like there's like a one in ten chance they achieve that like, you know, moonshot exit. And I don't even well, know what conditions set the stage for that. Yeah. I mean they've got the, you know, they have the developer mindshare still. You know, there's no doubt about that. Um and and I'm sure I'm sure the Docker folks um have yeah, you know, they've got some crafty folks on their uh their VC and advisory board too know that that's the game they're playing and you know i'd be i'd be shocked if someone wasn't telling them you know play up the antagonism of it <laughs> um you know don't uh you know you don't always have to to play nice you know we have to make money here and you know there has to be a little bit of friction um let's see you know uh it, it's you know it could be worse um you know you could have a billion dollar industry and watching it fritter away um yeah, yeah. I, I, w- no. I was, I was, I was giving some free advice recently to uh, to someone who's looking to start their own sort of like open community, and the, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think, if I may have a high opinion of myself, the uh, the core most important thing I was telling them is like nowadays, if you start a, an open community, you got to be really clear about how people are going to make money, about what the monetization mm-hmm. stuff is, and just like separate the fuck out of those two things, right? Like. There has to be this line that you don't really cross necessarily, uh, that you don't you don't intermix these two things, because otherwise it just like turns really nasty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think uh, I think to the you know the point I think it was Brandon saying earlier. It's sort of like everyone knows what's happening, but no one really talks about it. <laughs> like it's it's uh, hopefully next time when we have some runaway awesome technology that no one pays for. Uh, and, and on the upslope run of it, like people will be a lot more explicit about uh, how you're going to make money off of that, but probably not. Otherwise, what yeah. uh, would we have the opportunity to talk about around here? We, we could talk about VMworld. That, you know, you know, before we get to that, Matt Ray, expert segueer that you are, I whenever here's a pro tip. If you want to do a mid rolls type of thing, you've got to put it in the show notes. Otherwise, I will forget to do it. So. It's time for the mid-roll. You know, I started listening to that My Brother and My Brother and My Brother podcast, and they have a, a funny way of putting it. They're like, let's go off to the money zone. Now, 
Sadly for us, there is no money involved in any of this. So it's, it's more of like the, uh, the charity zone. But to, to that end, uh, you know, remember, you might remember that I was advertising a, a, a webinar you could go to where we talk about multi-cloud and we got this, this, uh, uh, a, a, uh, a podcasting world friend of mine, Brian Gregory on to talk about doing it at Express Scripts. But you, you don't even have to legion yourself for that now. You can just go to the, the pivotal video channel on YouTube and watch it for free. And as we like to say, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but you, you can watch it. And I think particularly because, of course, Brian is like an end user of all this stuff, like he his listening to him and talk about what he's doing in the discussion that that me and the analyst on there, Holger from Constellation, have with him. That's the uh, the funnest part, because it's, uh you know, I like to think I bring a little bit of my unpreparedness from podcast land to a webinar, which makes it uh, more interesting. <laughs> And I'm sure at some point you can organic. Probably, that's right. I'm sure at some point you can probably hear my daughter banging on the door to come talk to me. If if you listen close enough, you might need to watch it like ten times uh, to find that. But that's the Easter eggs for you. And then also, uh, it's coming up pretty soon here, September nineteenth and twentieth. But I have a discount code if you want to go to operatability.io, uh, which is the name of the conference. And conveniently, the also the as I understand it, the the website you would go to. But if you use the uh, the code. Cote Memo O I O 16, then you can get 10% off registering there. And just go to the show notes to figure out that confusing as hell discount code. Also, uh, my coworker and buddy Casey West will be there talking. And then as always, you can just go to Cote.io slash promos to, uh, to find out any discount codes and free shit that you can get that pretty much we don't get paid for, but that it's fun to pretend like we do. It's sort of like playing professional podcaster. Uh, that 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 we like to do. You guys have anything you want to throw out in the money zone? <laughs> uh, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Very good. All right. <clears throat> so speaking of that, yeah, there was VM World. So you got you got uh, you got you got the Docker going on, trying to take over mm-hmm. VM World's money. You know, drink their milkshake, as it were. And uh, and and then you got you got the milkshake holder. The biggest milkshake, the aforementioned people on the beach, VMworld had their big event. You know, I haven't been to a VMworld in a long time, but they seem to always be uh, be pretty fun. <coughs> yeah. And, um, and it's, I mean, the- it's, it sounds like they announced some big uh, solutions. I should probably know since they're like a sister company of mine. But, uh, you know, they're sort of in the solutionaring phase of their life where they've got the core technologies and they just have big, big suites of software built around it. So they're uh, they're all on the, you know, if you want to run all your stuff multi-cloud. Yep, we got that. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they uh, they announced, uh, you know, NSX for running up that up in the cloud. Um, but uh, as one of the articles linked to kind of pointed out that what it tries to do is, is normalize the different clouds. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of the folks who are running on multiple clouds, they're probably they're probably doing it to take advantage of some of the cloud resources. I mean, there used to be the, the whole, you know, oh, you need to be independent of the cloud that you're running on. You don't want to get, you know, too much tied into it. But uh, but at the same time, you want to take advantage of the resources that are available to you. And, and so, you know, some of the shortcomings of NSX uh, in the cloud, uh, you know, apparently can't use Lambda. Um, you know, some of the uh, metadata services might not be available. So, We'll see how well that takes off. It still seems to be um, a really risky kind of thing that you know somebody like an Amazon or a Google could say, "Well, 
we can offer what you're doing as a service. Um, yeah. it, 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 and, I, and, I, and I, yeah, and I don't know how it replaces VMware's uh, virtualization revenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it strikes me that it's another from a different approach, an illustration of the uh, what layer of the stack is is uh, is commoditized and paid for versus. Well, it's between those two there, right? Like, like in this instance, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the long running idea of whether it's a cloud broker or, or hybrid cloud management or whatever is that you have all these clouds mm-hmm. and you want to have a, a management plane as, as, as Brandon would remind us, a mom, so to speak, like layered on top of it. And then that's going to be where the value and thus the thing worth paying for is. And uh, it's the old uh, it's the old heterogeneous play that we all used to know and love so much when Microsoft was on the other side of it, on on the, the <laughs> homogeneous thing. But nowadays, oddly enough, we flipped over where it's like heterogeneous. Don't need that. And uh, you know and that's sort of like the prevailing the prevailing cognitive uh, sentiment about this kind of stuff. And then the uh, the large moneyed interests are are on, are still on the heterogeneous side, like trying to make that the uh, the thing that's valuable. Yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 largest of money to interest. They announced a partnership with IBM, um, and you know, to that extent, like IBM has almost gone. They, you know, they're slowly divesting themselves of anything but services. You know, and you see other other players are you know eager to kind of follow that path of, you know, oh, the services dollars are where it's at. But, um, you know, I, I've I've started to see a bit of a pushback, not specifically of IBM, but of, of larger service integrators. Um, there've been a couple of, you know, high profile things here in Australia that, uh, like the census, um, you know, that went kind of sideways and they were in the hands of a large vendor. And, you know, I've seen smaller vendors starting to take, you know, business from, you know, the likes of, of, of IBM and, you know, Accenture and Cognizant and, you know, these huge hundred thousand person companies um, that are losing deals to ten person companies, and you know there's there's a point of diminishing return. It seems with an SI, you you know you've got enough you've got enough scale that you can take the big contracts, but you have to you, if you're too big, there's the uh, appearance that you're going to just pat it with a bunch of bodies, mm. and you know. Um, and so I, I posted on Twitter yesterday, I was like, um, you know, somebody was looking at a very large consulting deal and they're like, yeah, those vendors are too big. We want somebody much smaller. And it just kind of blew my head cause it was, you know, hundreds of million dollar deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. and they were like, no, no, we want somebody tiny. Yeah. yeah uh, I, and, and, you know, I, I wish, I wish I, I had a longer history and therefore, uh, trusted my understanding of the, uh, the SI, well, not S, not even SI, but the services outsourcing that whole services market. Cause it's like, I mean, as, as you're going over it, all of these things, they sound good, but they, they're like, they're like very confusing to me. Right. Like, like it's yeah. I, like, for example, it sounds, it seems like the, the last 20 years of outsourcing, uh, if you were to read that on the surface of it, it would, would basically say at least two things. One, good fucking luck, right? Like, like it doesn't really pan out very well. And then two, mm. uh, eventually your outsourcer will be the one in control if it gets successful yeah. and therefore big enough. And, and like, I feel like that must be a very naive understanding of it, right? Like we have this, we have this notion in the, uh, 
you know, agile DevOps, cloud native, whatever world of like, don't, don't outsource anything. Right. And certainly if you go talk with, um, like government agencies and to some extent, like European enterprises and some American ones, they're like, oh my God, outsourcing. Don't get me started. Right. But like, there must be some models that make sense. And, and I don't know, maybe it's like that old song, like it must be the money, right? Like you just track where, where the money is, is doing everything. And it's all about those kind of incentives. But like, I feel like there must be like outsourcing that works. And it's, I don't understand why that model isn't more pervasive, but then again, like what in IT does work like effectively. <laughs> but I think, you know, a lot, like all these conversations, I think people miss, they get kind of focused on technology and they miss like kind of like the people process side of it. Right. To mm. borrow borrow a bad line around and you know like there's the old saying like elephants fuck elephants right it's like behind every one of these projects <laughs> is you know a massive group of people right that need to do business a certain way so like when you try to sell a project to the united states government right of, or any government or any large bureaucracy they're going to mandate a, a level of requirements and contracts and procurement right that frankly, few small organizations can just deal with, right? I mean, mm. it just can't be done. I mean, it's not, and that's why you see them like kind of, if they're going to do anything, they kind of like go through another person. And it's, and again, it's not, it's like everything starts with the best of intentions, right? It's like, but when you get to a certain size, then doing these things requires a lot of people and a lot of bureaucracy yeah. to meet kind yeah. of all of this stuff. And I think that's where people really miss out where I like, it's like the, the, I think you guys probably, and I think we've probably all been in this meeting where like some like old CTO comes in and says like, I can write a ping collector that can scale to like a million blah, blah, blah. Why is this thing in our software so slow? It's like, well, because it's not integrated integrated inside this big behemoth piece of software. You know what I mean? If you just sliced off that one little problem, yeah, sure, you could do it in isolation. But yeah. like, can you do it inside this, uh, you know, our big system? And I think that's the same thing. It's like, yeah, this IT project on the face of it is really simple. But okay, can you execute it inside a large bureaucratic organization? And how many people is that going to take? Um, and I, and I, again, I think it's just, it's a difficult task, right? I mean, the only way I think around it is not getting keeping the bureaucracy smaller but of course as we know that in itself is very hard yeah well you know before before we roll into recommendations uh i just want to you know mention a few one uh there there's there's a a i wouldn't call it epic it's a it's a mini epic and and i think uh kind of from the perspective of people to deal with this sort of rant about this kind of situation on the the most recent Roderick on the line, where the two people there are complaining about basically uh, net net YOLO, right, or whenever that that independent contractors have with big companies. And they're basically just like, what the fuck, which I think uh, if you've ever had to deal with POs and stuff, even at any size company, you'll you'll have a good PTSD moment from uh, listening to that. So second, we don't really have time to cover it. uh, But you know, as I was joking, we should rename this. Uh, well, we, not not from today's, but you know, we could easily rename this podcast this week in tech private equity. This as as we were going to uh, to press, is that how you would say it? Like there was there was uh, some some of those anonymous sources say that uh, HPE uh, HPE that HP as as we know it is looking to sell off their software group for like I don't know what is it eight to ten billion dollars. That's that's uh, that's enjoyable. So we'll see how that pans out next time. And then also the uh, not that I would know anything about this or have any reason to comment on it, but the the Dell EMC merger is apparently going to be finalized on September seventh. They they announced. So Woo-hoo! so is that uh, is that is that next time that we record? Sure. Huh. Uh, maybe. 
Yeah, I should. Yeah. I should. Maybe, uh, maybe this time next week, Coach yeah. Hill be retired to Pflugerville. Yeah, <laughs> boom, running the hot dogs. Round rock, round rock. Oh yeah, yeah, round rock. <laughs> <sighs> and as always, you can go look at the show notes for links that we didn't cover, including this one about spaces versus tabs. Which I'm just, I'm just going to save that for when I need some uplifting thing to to read. That's that's going to be good stuff. So, uh, with that, let's go into recommendations. How about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you got for us this week? Uh, um, I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. Uh, and so, uh, you don't say, I, I can't, <laughs> yeah, you don't say, uh, came across a series of videos on YouTube of different sorting algorithms, uh, performed by, uh, folk dancers mm. it's awesome <laughs> this, so, this, so this recommendation video. really has it all folk dancing it does algorithms hungarians um ex- exactly uh, you know just if you ever wanted to see a visualization of, of a quick sword or a bubble sword or you know select sort we got dances to go with it awesome Mm, I like so. That. Uh, I yeah, like that. that's that's my pick for the week. Well, we'll put a link to that in there. Really, a uh, really accelerate your heartbeat. How, how about yourself, Brandon? <laughs> well, the first thing I needed to figure out is like if HP sells off software, like what's left in this <laughs> HP unit? <laughs> that was my first. I'm gonna like we'll answer that question next week. So I'm like, what's left? Hardware. Um, hardware. Services. I know, but like, but it's not the. No, printer. didn't they the sell off services the to CSC or something? Or am I getting? That's confused? what I was like. I was like, I think everything's been sold, but the printers is in the other group. So, all right. Anyway, we're going to talk about that next week when I actually um, prepared, which is probably unlikely. But uh, I was going to. Oh, two recommendations. One, uh, Malcolm Gladwell is interviewed on uh, the Ezra Klein show, uh, his podcast, uh, aptly named the Ezra Klein show, uh, and. He has this good rant about like predictions of the future about um you know and one of his things is like hey one day we're gonna look back on the internet and like how crazy it was to build all this stuff on some insecure software that uh, is constantly being hacked and nobody really understands and I was like it's actually pretty fun I was like yeah I was like yeah yeah I think Malcolm Gladwell you're onto something so go listen to that if you're looking for uh, some Malcolm Gladwell um, thing to hear and then the other one I was gonna recommend because it's uh, football time. It's a good Netflix documentary called Last Last Chance You about a very small uh, 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 football um, – what is it? Uh, junior college football program, and they follow them through a season and what it's like to play uh, junior college football and, and just uh, a good look behind the scenes. So check that out. Well, so my, my – I've, uh, I've, got, I've got two recommendations this week. One – uh, I started using th- uh, this morning to write that post I have on on uh, on the Docker world and layers and stuff. I use this thing called Ulysses, perhaps the most expensive, gratuitous text editor I have ever purchased. I, I think I think maybe it's like fifty dollars for the uh, for the, uh, the the desktop thing, and then if I remember, it's fifty dollars for the iOS thing, which inevitably I'm going to buy. So I'm out like a uh, hundred dollars and. I've tried probably all of these. I don't think there's any more of them left for me to buy. And this one seems the most promising. It's this, I tried that Scrivener for a while, and that was the equivalent of, uh, of using one of those, one of those, uh, multi-platform applications that's like written in Java. And so therefore it runs everywhere and is basically like <sighs> unusable from an aesthetic point of view. Um, but, you know, Scrivener, that sounds like it. it. I like the idea of it. And Ulysses sounds like a good balance between native applications. Markdown 
editing actual uh, just plain text files, and then also a little bit of Evernote in there. So I'll see how it goes. But I think so far, so far, I think it's it's working out. So my other, I was rem- I was thinking of this, and Matt Ray reminded me of it with something he was saying earlier. Uh, oh, folk dancing! Because we're coming up on Labor Day. If you if you haven't listened to it in a while or have never heard it, I recommend listening to the uh, the worst song ever. Uh, that was scientifically made by This American Life a while ago, right? And and I think I think two of the things are uh, everyone can, agrees that they don't like kids' choruses singing, and they also songs about holidays are boring. And so if I remember, it, sometime in the chorus they sing about Labor Day, which is just just fantastic. So uh, we got that coming up. You want you should check that out. I'm going to go listen to it after this recording. Maybe I'll even put it in at the end so you can enjoy oh, it. Gosh. How about them apples? So as always, this has been softwaredefinedtalk.com. If you've been paying close attention, you'll notice that I've been messing around with the back end for our Steer podcast here. I've moved a lot over it to SoundCloud as hosting. I'm looking to cancel my Libsyn account and do it all at a SoundCloud with a hidden WordPress account to control the RSS feed. Always lots of complicated stuff just to save like basically $80 a year. But, uh, you know, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, find out all the past episodes. Or if you go to soundcloud.com slash Cote Industries, you can see the not-so-secret backend for it in my other podcast. And, as you know, it's always nice if you have the time to uh, walk up to us or tweet us or whatever and tell us that you're listening to the show. It's also equally nice if you recommend it to your friends so we get more listens or leave us a review in iTunes. I went and checked. No new reviews since last time, Brandon. The uh, the listeners are tapped out. They 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 can't be bothered, which is fine. They can do it. I, they're I, gonna do it. I this want, week they're gonna come through. I want you to spend time figuring out which layer of the stack you're gonna monetize, so that you can open your own hot dog stand in Fleurville instead of worrying about helping us out. No problem. Got it. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye. The most unwanted music.
Mm-hmm. I'm on the plane, took me in my mind Took me 
Oh, say. 